But how is everyone doing on this uh, cool Sunday morning here in November? Doing well? Yes? Good, good. Well, we're continuing our series this morning on Perfectly Abnormal, and uh, it's been a great series so far. I hope that you have enjoyed it. I hope that you have been learning from it. Uh, I have been learning um, a great way to explain why I am so weird to other people. Uh, so when they look at me funny, just be like, no, 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 I'm just abnormal, okay? That's just who I am. It's okay. And, uh, but it's been great so far, and we're going to continue that this morning. And uh, so for all my note takers, if you like to put titles there on the top of your page or the top of your screen, whatever, this is still Perfectly Abnormal Part 3, uh, but if you want to give it a subtitle, this is going to be called Cut from the Same Cloth cut from the same cloth. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to start in the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And this is what it says. It says, seeing what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Okay, so let's go ahead and let me just provide us a foundation, a basis of what we're going to talk about this morning. And that is to say this in one statement, God is very weird. God is a very strange and peculiar and uncommon thing. Okay, the reason being the, and the way that he is, is the world cannot understand him. They think that he is this strange alien type thing. And one of the great theological questions out there, and we're not going to get real deep into theology, so don't worry. But one of the great ones out there is, is that if God is so good, if God is so great and wonderful, then why do people not choose him all the time? In fact, why is this room not just packed from front to back, side to side? Why is there not just scores of people here? It would be like this. If I had two cases in my hand, two briefcases, and in one briefcase, and I told you what was in them, I was up front and honest the entire time. And I said, look, in this briefcase, there is nothing but beach sand. It's all there is in here. And in this case, there's all kind of jewels. I'm talking rubies, emeralds, diamonds, sapphires, topaz, some of the most beautiful stones you can imagine. Which case would you choose? Now, the obvious answer for, for, I would assume, all of us would be, well, give me the valuable case, the case that is, could be worth all kinds of money. It's beautiful. It's these incredible jewels. I don't, what can I do with sand? I I can't really do anything. And that's kind of how we look at it or how I look at it is, okay, well, if you have two options, because that's what we have. Scripture says you've got two options. You can either belong to the devil or you can belong to God. Two cases. And for us, it's very simple. It's very easy. Well, we're going to choose what God offers, who the Lord is. That's very easy. But the theological peculiarness of it is, Why do more people choose the sand? Why do people not just choose God all the time? And that is because the world cannot understand who God is. And what we know is that what the world cannot understand, it rejects. 
We saw this with Jesus. Jesus showed up and he began to do his ministry and to preach. And all of what he said was true. And Jesus was never doing anything to uh, destroy their way of living. In fact, if they could have just seen it through the right perspective, they would have understood what Jesus said when he said, I am here to fulfill the law, not abolish it. But they didn't understand Jesus, so they rejected Jesus. And that's the same way, that God is strange, he is peculiar, he's uncommon. And even for us as believers, God does things that even uh, uh, can, can confuse us. And when I say confuse, I mean it makes us wonder, it makes us think, why did he do that? I myself cannot understand why the creator of everything, the universe and all that's in it, a God that is that powerful would choose me. That he would look down and he would see my mess and, and my junk and my issues and he would say, I want to love that guy right there and I want to bring him into a part of me and I want him to share eternity with me. I cannot fathom that. I cannot process that. I cannot understand why he would send Jesus to go and, and die in excruciating death for someone that he would never meet face to face. I don't know that. If you were to ask me this morning, Chase, would you go and lay your life down in an excruciating manner for a stranger who lives across the world who you'll never meet, you'll never know them? I'd say, well, probably not. I don't think I would do that. And so I can't understand why Jesus would do that. I can't understand these qualities of God. And so the world, when they can't understand that, they say, well, we want no part of that. We're going to reject who he is because I don't understand it. It's too much. It's, and just talking to some people, when you talk to them about the Lord and about you know, this Christian walk, a lot of them think that it's this give-take relationship. Well, well, you must want something from me. If God chooses me, it's because he must want something. And it's true that he does want us to serve him and to follow him, but people can't understand it. They view it like a business transaction because they can't process the love of God. Are you following me so far? And because the world can understand him, they reject him. This is what it says here in John 15, 18 through 19. Jesus even talks about this. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. That if you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And so when we're out there and, and we as children of God, which we want to talk about some more this morning, but as children of God, as we're out in the world and we're walking around and we're doing our thing, following the Lord and, and serving him, and people hate us, people consider us to be that strange and abnormal people, Jesus said, look, it's because they did it to me first. They, they rejected me first because when I showed up and I was living like that and preaching this and living this righteous lifestyle, they hated me for it. So understand that as we, as the children of God, as we begin to do that, don't be surprised when the world rejects us as well. However, and this is where... We're going to go into the children of God because God is one thing. And as we've been talking about these past two weeks, he is perfectly abnormal. Because he is so weird, because he is so uncommon, 
He is perfectly abnormal. We are his children. So let's go back now to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to read verses 7 through 10. This is what it says. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they cannot keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Okay, so now here we go. We're getting to the next step of who are the children of God, okay? Now, there is no paternal spiritual DNA testing that each of us can take to confirm whether or not we belong to God, okay? There's no Ancestry.com to see if, okay, yeah, it looks like you belong to the family of God. That's not how that works, but it's very clear. John lays it out very clearly for us in the Scriptures. This is how we tell. We look at how they live. He says, you look at people and how they live. If they are living righteous, if they're not practicing sinful behavior, we can look at them and we can say, yeah, that's right there. That's a child of God right there. He, he is serving the Lord. She is following God. That's a child of God. But if we're not doing that and we are practicing sinful behavior and, and we're not living a righteous life, he says, you can look at them and you can say, well, that's a child of the devil. And that's not, you know, being, you know, mean or rude or what. That's just the Bible. He says, you're a child of the devil. And so it's very clear what John is trying to say, that there is two very clear distinctions here. You've got the people over here, they are children of God, and people are here that are children of the devil. Now, Jesus talked about this earlier in his ministry. He told it in a little bit of a different way. This is what he said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17. He says, a good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Now, that makes sense to me, right? Seems, seems pretty easy to follow. Verse 18, he says, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Okay, so now Jesus is laying it out very plain for us again. This is a very simple uh, blueprint for us to follow this morning. He says you've got to look at people and their actions people and how they live their lives, how they walk, how they talk. And Jesus says, you've got to look at their fruit. You've got to look at what they have in their life. What are they producing in their life? Okay. Now, some of you out here, you are out there and you are producing some of the most beautifully red and just crisp apples in the world. And I would look at you and go, you're a good tree. How do I know? Well, you're producing good fruit. And some of you out there are producing fruit that not even the birds will come and touch because it is so spoiled and rotten. And I would look at you and i say, well, you're a bad tree. How do I know? Well, you're producing bad fruit. Jesus also te- he tells us again here, he says, John 15, 1 through 5, he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And church, I would just tell us this morning, right off the bat is we need to check our fruit baskets. Okay, We need to see what we are producing in our lives this morning. Now notice, I did not say you needed to be a fruitcake, nor did I say you needed to be a basket case. Okay, we're going to put it together. Fruit basket, not the other two. Okay, we don't need more crazy people. All right, we need abnormal people. All right, there is a difference. We've got to check our fruit baskets. We've got to see what we're producing in our life because when we look at it, you know, and, and, here, and here's where people get confused, especially in today's culture of, of the church and of Christianity and, and, and that lukewarmness is it's I come to church and I own a Bible. And I go to Sunday school, and I have perfect attendance at church, and I do all of these things that look like they are correct, but my question will be, are you producing any fruit? Are you producing anything that is fruitful in your life? Because if not, then I would just say you are a very, very good-looking bad tree. That's all it is. And some of us may look good on the outside, Anybody ever been around trees for a while where it looks all right and then you get up close and the inside is just rotted out and if you pushed it or even if you blew on it, it would just, just fall over? That's how some of us can be sometimes. We're just a bad tree, but we may look good on the outside, but we're not producing anything in our lives. There is no fruit that is being produced. And Jesus says, look, if you're not a part of me, if you have been severed from the true grapevine, me, then you're not going to be able to produce anything. And so it's been a very simple sermon so far. So let's just keep following that logic, okay? If you look at your life this morning and you say, I'm not producing any fruit, according to the scripture, it tells me you are severed from the grapevine. You're not attached to the true grapevine because Jesus said you cannot be fruitful if you don't have a part of me. If you're not connected to me, then you cannot produce the fruit that I need you to produce. So let's go a little bit further. So how does this tie in this morning to to being abnormal? Because again, I know we're in the perfectly abnormal series. So how how does producing fruit and how does the good tree and the bad tree, how does it all tie in? I want everybody to do me a favor. I want to have a little bit of crowd participation this morning if you want to. You don't have to. I can't make you. But I want everybody to close your eyes. We're going to use our imagination. It's going to be like we're in uh, elementary school again. Everybody close your eyes. And I want you to imagine an absolute barren landscape. Okay, there's nothing around. There's no water. There's no greenery. There's absolutely nothing. And then now I want you to keep using your imagination. And as you look out over that, let's just say desert, as you look out over that desert, you begin to see these branches come up over the horizon these green branches, and as you get closer, you see that there is this tree standing out here in the middle of a desert surrounded by nothing else. 
All right? Open your eyes. All right? I want them to put a picture up here on the screen if they have it. If not, it's okay because we got to imagine it. But that is abnormal. That is strange. When you look at this right here, all you see for miles around is sand. Yet there in the middle of that sand, in the middle of that desert, there is something that is full of life, something that is growing, something that is living. And if we were on Sesame Street this morning and we were playing that game, which of these doesn't belong, we would look at that picture and go, it's the tree. The tree doesn't belong in this picture. That tree should be in a forest, or it should be in a jungle, it should be in the Amazon, it should be somewhere where it can thrive. And so what I'm telling you this morning is that it's abnormal behavior to see in a barren, a barren landscape something growing, something with life. In the world today, in our culture today, this is, this is what we're facing is, has anybody been out there in the world recently? And have you seen what it's like? Have you talked to people? Go out there and just talk to somebody who's not in church. Talk to somebody who doesn't know the Lord. And I'm not saying try and just, you know, uh, beat them over the head with anything, but just talk to them. Just have a conversation with them. And you'll notice something. You'll notice that in their words and in their actions, there's a lot of malice. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of bitterness. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hopelessness. You've got people out there that are, you've got people out there that are putting their hopes in elections now. Oh, well, if we just get the right person in office, it'll all work out. I hate to tell you, but it's not. That there is no man on either side of the aisle that can come in and do the right thing. Every single one of those guys is just in it for the money. None of them care about you. I'm sorry. It's the truth. Throw tomatoes now if you have them. Some of those people, they're, 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 they're hoping and they're, 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 and, and they're wishing. and they're, well, if, if something else happens, then everything can get better. Some people rely on government. Some people rely on addictions and, 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 and alcohol or drugs or whatever just to get them through it. And when you talk to these people, what you see is you just see a barren landscape out there in the world. You don't see life. You don't see greenery. You don't see water. You don't see really hope of anything that can grow. And that's what the world looks like in today's time. Is this just barren with nothing out there? And so then all of a sudden, here comes this group of people called the children of God who were good trees producing good fruit. And suddenly it looks out of line. Suddenly, it doesn't quite fit into the picture. Suddenly, it doesn't belong because in a world that is full of hopelessness, in a world that's full of anger and hurt and pain, there are people coming up as these beautiful green trees out there in the middle of a desert, and they look extraordinarily beautiful because of the life in them, and they go, you don't belong here. And the world looks at people like us and they say, you don't belong here. You are abnormal. You, you don't fit in here. You're not a part of this culture. You're not a part of this world. Why? Because you stick out. 
You don't fall in line with it. Can I tell you this morning that a lot of you sitting here are very abnormal people. Why? Because this is what you did this morning. You actually woke up early this morning. You're here in the first service, so you woke up early. You woke up early on a Sunday. That's weird. A lot of people don't do that. Not only did you wake up early on a Sunday, but you got in your vehicle and you came to a building because you were going to pray to a God to change your life. That's weird. That's strange. It doesn't make sense. Other people went and they tried to do practical things. They voted for a certain politician. They went and they applied for some kind of program. They went and tried to do something that they thought was going to help. You decided to come and pray. Or as the world would see it, you came and talked to some imaginary guy in the sky. Some of you didn't come to ask for anything. Some of you came because you just wanted to sit in the presence of your Savior. And you just wanted to be in the presence of God. That's weird. That's strange. That's abnormal behavior. When's the last time you went to one of your friends and said, Can I just sit in your presence? It would sound and be very weird. I'm not encouraging you to do that, by the way. I I want you to have friends. Some of you, when you came in here to church, the worship team began to play. You know what you did? You raised your hands. And you began to sing praises to God, and you began to glorify God with your hands raised. And it's strange. It's strange. Some of you, this past week or this past month or year, you got some bad news, whether from a family member, a doctor, a job, you know, status or anything like that. And you know what you did? You turned around, you threw both hands up and you said, praise God anyway. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be okay. Can I tell you, that's really weird behavior for you to do that. Some of you. You are under crushing amounts of pressure in life right now from all kinds of sources. And you know what you're doing? You're smiling with the joy of the Lord through it all. And people look at you and they're like, are you not stressed? Are you not anxious? Are you not worried? No, I'm good. God's got it taken care of. That's weird. <laughs> that's, that's not typical behavior from a person. That is abnormal. And some of you, you came in this morning and your head was hanging low, and your arms stayed by your side. You didn't raise your hands for worship. You didn't pray. You didn't try and to, you didn't come and sit in the presence of God. You just were here. That's normal. Some of you, when you got bad news recently, you got very anxious, you were full of anxiety and worry, you haven't been able to sleep for days, some of you are having to rely now on medication just so you can close your eyes for a few minutes, that's normal. That's normal. Some of you, when the pressures of life come in from jobs and family expectations and whatever else, you slip into depression. We may not see you for weeks because you are locked inside your room, unable to come outside because you are so depressed. That's normal. That's what the world expects. 
That's what looks like it fits in. That's what looks like normality to them. That is what they're looking for. And they say, hey, you, you'll fit right in with us. And can I tell you the problem in the church today is the fact that not all of us, but when people look at us, if they cannot see a distinction between the two, then we have failed as the church of Christ. As the body of Christ, we have failed, we have, we have messed up, we have gotten something wrong. People shouldn't look at me and see a dead tree or a bad tree, but they should see life and growth. They should see hope. They should see the fruits of the Spirit coming out of my life. I should be abnormal. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, well, I just want to fit in, I don't want to be abnormal. I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be strange. I don't want to, then you'll fit just right in with them. And they will, they will take you in with open arms. They will welcome you. But this morning, if you say, you know what, Chase, I just, I want to be abnormal. I, 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 I want to be, I want to stick out like that tree in the desert. And, and, and I, I want to be somebody that exhibits the good fruit that you're talking about. Then praise God, you're on the right track. Now all you've got to do is you've got to live a righteous life. You've got to follow the word of the Lord and you are going to be a child of God. And you will be abnormal. When I became a dad, life got crazy. As I'm sure for any parent in here, you understand. When you have kids, life gets crazy all of a sudden. People asked me and Hope several times after we had our firstborn. They said, so, you know, and these are people that didn't have kids, you know, because people who had kids knew better than to ask this question. But people, other people who didn't have kids would go, well, did a lot change? Like, no, no, he's fine. He just stays in the closet. He, we don't even hear him most of the time. He just, he's just he's perfect. Like, no, everything changed. You know, I got a call. I was at work when, 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 when uh, Hope's water broke, and they were getting ready to go to KFC. Hope and our mom, they wanted to go get some KFC fried chicken, and I was sitting there, and I was painting a ceiling. And I got a phone call, and it was... Uh, it was my mom-in-law, and she called me. I said, hello. She said, hey, we're about to go to KFC. Do you want something? I said, no, I'm good. I asked Calvin. I said, Calvin, do you want something? No, he didn't want anything. I hung up. Fifteen minutes later, I get another phone call from my mom-in-law. I'm expecting just another, hey, y'all sure y'all don't want anything, whatever. I go, hello? Hope's water just broke. You can just hear like the, like the, the tremble in her voice. Hope's water just broke. And I'm like, what? Like just shell shot, like what? And I rushed home and I fly in through the door. I'm getting ready to just scoop her up and throw her in the truck and get to the hospital. You know what my wife is doing? Making a sandwich. She's in the kitchen. She's got bread. She's got turkey meat. And she's like, hey, baby. And I'm like, we got to go. She's like, I'm hungry. I'm going to get a sandwich first. And I'm like, we don't have time for a sandwich. We did have time for a sandwich. She got her sandwich. We got to the hospital. A few hours later, we had our first baby boy. It was incredible. But man, life changed forever after that. 
It was just the two of us. I left the house, came back to the house. There was three of us. A year later, came back, there were four of us. We've been at four ever since. But it's all kind of different. Now, children, they're, they're great. I love children. They're going to give you some of your best days ever. You're going to look at them one day when they take their first steps. You're just going to smile just ear to ear. Just, you're going to be so proud of them. They're going to say their first word. It's going to be great. And then children are going to give you some of your worst days ever. Because they're not going to stop screaming. You haven't stopped screaming. Everybody's tired. And it's just terrible. But the thing about children is, and what I love now that they're, my boys are starting to get older, is that I'm watching them. And you got to understand, my boys, and I'll, I'll say it because I'm their dad, my boys are weird. They're just strange little dudes. And that's just, that's just who they are, you know? I mean, they'll put boxes on their head and they'll run into things and just, you know, they'll put blankets on their head and run into walls just to make me laugh. I mean, just, they, just, they just do crazy stuff. They're just wild. I love them, but they're wild. They're weird. And so it's when, when, I, when I'm watching them, I can't help but laugh at times and hope and I will actually have these conversations. And I'm sure nobody else in here has had these conversations. But when one of my children starts showing some, I'll just say, poor qualities, I'll look at hope. Like when one of them, like, like for example, if I, tell, if I tell Deke, if I say, no, you cannot get in there. And Deke just goes, <laughs> I'm standing there over him, and I'll look at Hope, and I'll say, he gets that from you. That's you right there. That, I'm, I'm dealing with this right now because of you. This is your fault. I know nobody else has done that, but that's just, that's just me. And then when my youngest, when Koa, when he gets angry because he's got a temper, and you say, Koa, no. Ah! Hope will look at me, and she'll go, that's you. That, I'm dealing, this is your fault. That, that right there, that, I know nobody else does that when you see your kids, but kids have this a great ability to just mimic and become and then take on the traits of their parents, take on the traits of their environment. And I love watching my kids. I love being around my kids. Good qualities and bad qualities. But when they begin to act a little bit strange, it's funny to me. Because to other people, they look at them and they go, that kid's acting really weird. Like if you came over to my house one day, and you hadn't been around my kids very long, and you saw what they did half the time, you would think, those boys are weird. We can't come here again. And you're probably just, you know, scooting your kids out. You can't hang out with them anymore. Come on. You see, what you don't know is, is that their daddy is even weirder, even goofier, and crazier than they are. See, they get it from me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, this is what it says, verse 16 through 18. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. When my, when my kids go to acting all kind of crazy and doing the weird, silly things, I really can't help but laugh because it makes me proud in a sense. When they sit there and they throw that blanket over their head and they run into to the wall, they take the blanket off and they look at me because they want me to laugh. They're trying to, they're trying to just make me laugh, impress me. And I can't help but laugh. And I'm like, I'm proud because you're mimicking me. You're watching me, and you're becoming more and more like me. And that's the good and the bad, and yes, even the abnormal. And so you see, we as children of God, as we watch and as we learn and as we grow, you'll notice that we become more and more like our Heavenly Father. Every day, you take on something else. You become more and more like him just a little bit. I remember growing up as a teenager, this was always something I did not enjoy uh, because, you know, I love the grandmas of the church, but they embarrass you. You know, that's just, that's just who they are. That is their job in the church is to embarrass the young men in youth group. But they, they, they would come up to me, and dad was pastoring at the time, and they would come up to me, and they would just go, you look just like your daddy. You look just like him. Look, look, Brother Victor, it's like a mini Victor right over here. He looks just like you. You know that? And I'm just like, oh, don't say that. My dad's weird. <laughs> I don't want to look just like dad. I want to be cool. <laughs> dad's not cool. Dad's weird. But as I got older, I realized, okay, I am starting to look like my dad. And I just have to accept that. Why? Because that's who my dad is. And I've noticed that I've become more like him in my mannerisms. I've become more like him in my appearance and how I talk and how I walk. There was a song that he used to sing every Christmas. It's terrible. I'm not going to sing it because I can't sing. But every Christmas, we would go to the Great Smoky Mountains. And uh, that'd be just our vacation spot every year. And on the drive up there, and as we drove through Pigeon Forge, as we drove to the cabin and from the cabin, wherever we were, as we rode through Cade's Cove, it didn't matter. Dad would be up there, and he would be singing some old song, Christmas is coming, the goose is getting fat. Please put a penny in the old man's hat. If you haven't got a penny, a hay penny will do. If you haven't got a hay penny, God bless you. I don't know where he got it from. That's just what dad sang. And I would hate it. I would add it. I hated that song because it's, it's catchy, so you hate it. It's like those commercial jingles that you can't get out of your head when you see it one time. I did not like it. You know what I do now if I'm driving through the Smoky Mountains and I got my kids in the back seat? As I'm driving, I'm just sitting there, Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, why am I doing this? I hated this song. I did not like this song. And now here I am, and all I can do is sing this song. But I realize just as I get older, I'm becoming more 
and more and more just like my Father in every aspect. If you will, stand with me. I'm going to get ready to close here. Because this is, this, is this, is, this is the whole precipice of perfectly abnormal. To this day, when I'm 29 years old, I will still have people come up to me and they'll look at me and they'll just go to staring. It's almost kind of weird because they don't say anything. They just kind of quietly stare. And I, I look at them and I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And they go, There's something familiar about you. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I don't think we've met. I don't think. And they'll go, your brother Victor's son. And I'm like, yes, yes, that's me. That's me. I'm, yeah, you know, Victor's my dad. And some of you, when you go outside these four walls, people just stare at you. And they look at you. And the whole time, it's like there is just something about you that's familiar. I recognize something. Because see, can I go ahead and tell you right now that instilled in each and every one of us is a part of our Heavenly Father's DNA that when he created each of us, he put in just a little bit of himself into each of us the same way it works here on earth. That there's a part inside all of us that craves our heavenly father. And so inside every single person is a little bit of that DNA from God. But some people just don't know who he is. They, 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 don't, they don't know him. They don't. But when they see you, as the children of God who are living perfectly abnormal lives, living righteously and showing good fruit in a fruitless world, they look at you and they go, I can't put my finger on it. I can't seem to shake it, but there's something familiar about you. I recognize something. You see, for some people, when they saw me to my dad, they would go, oh, I get it. I recognize the height. You, yeah, you, you're Victor's son, all right. You're tall, skinny, just like him. Yeah, that's me. Some people, they'd be like, oh, you've got hair dark like your dad's. Yeah, yeah, you, you're your dad's son, aren't you? Yeah, that's me. That's me. And people, they look at us, they look at the children of God, and they go, I, I can't put my finger on it. But I think I recognize something in you. Was it my hair? No. Not your hair. Is it because I'm tall and skinny? No. No, but I, I, there's something familiar about you. There's something I just can't shake. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I get that from my father. Yeah, the peace that you recognize, the, the, the peace that you crave in your life right now, yeah, yeah. You must, you must be talking about my dad because that's who I get it from. Oh, the joy in my life, the, the, the way that I can just bravely take on everything that comes and I can just have the strength and the joy in my life, you say, I, I, that, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it does. I get that from my father. 
See, when people would recognize me and say, you must be your daddy's boy. I don't look exactly like him. I don't talk exactly like him. I'm not him. I'm not him. You, <laughs> you are not God. But man, if we could get our walk right, and if we could get our talk right, and if we could just grow a little bit more like our Father every single day, that people, when they saw us, they would go, you just you look awfully familiar. I feel, well, you probably read about my dad before. Really? Where at? <laughs> just look here in the Word. This is who he is. This is where I get it from. Everything you're seeing right now, everything you're hearing right now, yeah, I, I'm taking just after my father. I'm just like him. How, much, how many more people could we get to come and to meet our father for themselves if we could just act like our father? We could just act like him. The problem is, is that the church can sometimes be like I was. See, dad was a pastor. He was held in high regard in the community. People looked at him and, man, they just thought he was a man of integrity and honor. He was a good man. But then when they saw his son and he was messed up, and he didn't even want to be in church, and he didn't want anything to do with the Lord. They took that as an indictment on my father. Well, he can't even raise his kids right. How many times have we as the church put an indictment on our heavenly father because we can't seem to get it right? Because we'd much rather just be normal. We'd much rather just blend in. We'd rather fit in with everybody else. But what if, church, what if? What if we could get it right? What if we could, what if we could show people who our father really was? What could happen? How many more could come to know him just by that? If we could learn to just get it right. As children of God, as good trees producing good fruit in a fruitless world, if you will, bow your heads with me this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you are our Father. And Lord, I pray for every single person in this room. That, Lord, as we continue to walk day by day and week by week, year by year, my prayer is that we become more and more like you. That we reflect your glory. That we begin to take on your image more every single day. That our words will be led by your spirit. That our actions will be led by your spirit. That when people see us, they not recognize us as who we used to be, but they would recognize you as our Father. That Father, our greatest testimony, would be 
our words and our actions the greatest testimony of your goodness and your glory in our lives would be that we are becoming just like you. That is my prayer. And Father, as we leave today and as we go back out into a crazy world, I pray that you, your spirit would be with us that we can produce fruit, that we can be those abnormal trees that spring up and they grow in the craziest of places. And Father, I thank you and I praise, I give glory to your name and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Go be abnormal this week. Go be a little bit weird.